Today on Locked On Canadians, the Canadians have signed two RFAs. What should or could the Canadians do with ESC Ulanen? And a bunch of mailback questions. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 887. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Sabah, also known as The Actistic, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matlove Habs, Eyes on the Prize, who tried his best to get an episode out for you while uh, I lost power due to the tornadoes in Montreal. Um but uh, unfortunately, he also had technical difficulties. So apologies for the late mailback. Scott, were you able to recover over the weekend from the disappointment of not having given our listeners an episode? Yeah, to give people a look behind the curtain here is I recorded a full like 32 minute episode here with all the stuff we are talking about today. Had no signs of everything or anything going haywire, everything. After having my Wi-Fi crash on me a bunch of times during recording and then I I produced it, had the episode out. No hiccups whatsoever. It was great, full of great information, like always. And then I go to listen to it, and it sounds like someone just took my voice and ran it through a paper shredder, pulled it out, and then put it in the garbage disposal, and then tried to give that to you. It was uploading, and I, I listened to it back for a second because I thought everything was fine. I had done a test recording, and I, I, I do not know the cause behind that. I am hoping that it is smoothed out. My apologies. I felt terrible basically the next two days afterwards because that's who I am as a person for uh, not getting this episode out. But uh, thankfully, we have a plan. You're going to get an extra bonus episode this week instead of uh, the regular five last week. We were down to three shows a week now. Thankfully, the Canadians didn't do much of anything over the weekend. So the episode we didn't get to put out for Friday, it's still valid for today at least. So Laura... Uh, I guess we should dive right into the news, correct? News. Yes, and at least this way I can get in on this episode with you guys. Uh, all right, the Habs have signed Lucas Condotta and Nicholas Baudet. Uh, Scott, what are our thoughts? They are two of the RFAs that were on the Canadians' lists. They are obviously uh, most likely going to be in Laval. I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that there's a whole lot of chance with all the other prospects knocking on the door that either of them will be in the NHL for a, lo- a lengthy period of time. But this was some homework that Kent Hughes did have to do. Yeah, we before the draft, I had put together his off-season checklist at getting RFA squared away. They're down 2-1, which we will talk about in our next segment uh, in a little bit here. The biggest surprise out of these contracts is not that they got both of them done because they were both qualified. They clearly were kept with the intention of having them in this organization still, is that Bodan, who was, until his injury in Laval last year, was arguably the Rockets' best defenseman. Justin Barron had a very good season, but obviously he got recalled up as well. But Bodan, up until that injury, was a big reason why the Rocket even got towards the playoffs. 
He got one year on a two-way contract, which means he gets a minor salary and an NHL salary, depending on where he is. And Lucas Condotta got two years on a two-way deal. He obviously made his NHL debut at the end of the season for the Canadians. He scored a goal in that game against the Bruins in the last game of the year. It was such a great moment, too, because that's where he went to school. That, like that, Yeah. Right? Yeah. UMass Lowell. So he was one of Ken yeah. Hughes' first like actual signings as GM because he was part of that Rocket team that went on that deep playoff run. And it's like you said, these are both players bound for the Rocket. And at the end of last year, I was looking at it, I go, Pizzetta, someone, and Condotta is a fourth line isn't terrible but as we will again discuss in the next segment there's so many bodies that finding spots for everybody is tough i think kandata and bodan are going to be big pieces of the rocket this year i think bodan's going to be a, a huge part of that defense because he's a very good offensive defenseman who really grew into his defensive game for the rocket and for jean-francois who last year before he got injured when someone on toronto just decided what if i just elbow him and break his ribs and that's what happened. And then the Rocket lost one of their potential MVP players last year for that. But I'm glad that this is done out of the way. Coupled with the Mitchell Stevens signing, they re-signed Gabriel Bork as well to be their team captain. He's on an AHL deal. The Rocket have done a really good job replenishing after losing Anthony Richard, after losing Alex Belzio, losing like Rafael Harvey Pinard and Yessi alone to the NHL full-time. They've done a really good job reinvigorating this lineup for this upcoming season absolutely and i think that's that's one of the things is uh when people ask me like is there really anything to look forward to for the next season and i was like go to laval like go go to go to place bell and watch a game there because it's going to be exciting we do expect um they're going to be you know they're going to be a lot of players there's going to be a lot of change over time right like the canadians are having a little bit more trouble than we would like we would like we as fans are losing our patience uh, of shipping out some of these contracts and replacing them with prospects right but we know it's it's going to happen and i know in our next segment we're going to talk a little bit more about like what could potentially happen in that in, in that scenario but don't forget that some of these prospects are widely expected to be in laval right so we're, there's currently no news. I check every day. Don't worry, listeners. Um, there's currently no news as to whether Logan Mayu has been reinstated or not. Um, he was supposed to be meeting with Gary Bettman very shortly after the Stanley Cup final was over. That has not happened, uh, according to most, uh, you know, uh, dialed in sources. So there's a really good chance that he might play there. He might play in Laval. There's also, for me, the one that I'm the most excited about is Philip Mayshar, right? So again he has been told by the organization that he's going to be in Laval this upcoming season. I'm really excited to see how he grows and what he does, because I think we can all agree and exciting news. I'm going to have some prospect guests on next week. Um, but um, I think we can all agree that the situation that he was in in North America last year was not optimal for his growth. I'm sure that he learned a lot of lessons, but I feel like Laval is going to be the challenge for him because it's bigger bodies, you know, uh, more NHL closer people um so for me like that's most exciting and speaking of my exciting news i would like all of your prospect mailbag questions so next week not this week next week we're going to do massive prospect episodes um so i want all your questions about canadians prospects or uh maybe un undrafted guys where the canadians might have an interest um, and please send them over to me, even if it's like a prospect from another team that you're interested in and you think the Habs might trade for them. 
go ahead and send the questions to me at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave them in the YouTube comments. Just write prospect mailbag question at the beginning. You can also send them to us on Twitter. Uh, if Twitter still exists by this time next week, we don't know. <laughs> uh, our Twitter account is LO underscore Canadians. But Scott will be away next week. And I want to focus very heavily on the Canadians prospect depth. Um, as well as, you know, like, I don't know if we can start looking ahead to next year or not. I don't know if it's early or late or whatever, but send the questions and send them as early as possible so I can send them over to our guests and they can do their homework. Um, in the meantime, uh, we are going to move on to who the Canadians can possibly move on from. Uh, would Yessie Lennon still be part of the Canadians' future? Uh, and what should they do with him? And we're going to talk about all of that in one moment. But first, I have to tell you about FanDuel.com. It is America's number one sports book for a reason. You can take your first bet, first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets for up to $200. That's right. All you got to do is bet 20 bucks. And you'll earn $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or you lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the home first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. And this. All right, Scott, you had a lot of ideas for what the Canadians should do with Yessie Linen on the last episode that came out like your voice was thrown through a washing machine uh, with no water in it. <laughs> I keep trying to like figure out because I listened. I, I went back and listened to listeners like full disclosure. I went back and I listened um, and it does sound very, very much like somebody like, you know, like you, you like you, you tried to like make his voice into like a robot sound and it went badly. Yeah. And the weird part about it was that it's like, oh, OK, I can hear the normal part of it. But like underneath, it's like there's this weird robot and it's like, I don't know what it was. I don't know what caused it. I am not a. I am a proficient podcaster. I am not a super like audio producer that I could have figured out how to go and salvage this, unfortunately. But uh, the thought was what there's one RFA left in the Canadians organization right now. That is Jesse Olinen, who is out there. Uh, Joel Teasdale is still out there. He wasn't qualified. I don't believe he has signed a new contract with anybody yet, but that leaves Yolanen as the last uh, RFA to be signed by the organization. And my thought is, Ken Hughes has done a little bit each day. Like they'll probably announce it Monday by the time this episode drops, which, you know, maybe we'll find out what the plan is. And I saw in the replies to, and was actually to the Bodan and Condotta sightings that said, it might be that he has the value as a prospect that they may use him to shift out a Dvorak, a Hoffman and Armia type contract by sweetening it. And I understand the thought on that. It's just not, an idea that I love because the Canadians need more players. Like yes, is an NHL player at this point. He's not perfect yet. He still has growing to do as a player here. It's just that they don't have someone who has that same talent profile outside of maybe Philip Mashar. 
I think Joshua is a very good player. I think Riley Kinnear is a very good player, and but they don't have the professional experience yet. Yes, Yolanin does. You know that he can stick at the NHL level, and he's someone that with that talent, I think right in their middle six, maybe not a, a top-line player right away, but I think he can slot in there in a pinch, and it's not really a problem. I'm not crazy about the idea of you know just tossing him and to get rid of a contract because if Yolanin continues to develop, you've added another really talented winger into this program here, into your system here. He plays with agility, he plays with skill. He can shoot so well. He can skate like the wind. There's some defensive warts. It's just trying to find a spot for him in the NHL lineup right now is far easier said than done. And he is subject to waivers this season. And I, this might be me overvaluing our prospect. I, it's not the first time I've done something like that. My fear is that he wouldn't get through waivers, that if they go, hey, we're going to work out trying to get some of these other guys out of here, we're going to send you to the Rocket to start. I don't want to lose him for nothing. If you're going to lose him, at least you know move a contract out with him. But my fear is that they're going to try and sneak him through waivers, and my fear is that he's going to get claimed by a team who needs you know, cheap NHL depth, which is what he'll be. You know, I can't imagine he's going to get more than $900,000. It's just, again, I don't know where he fits into this lineup right now because there's just, there's too many bodies on this team right now. And I know fans want to get rid of it, but in reality, I don't know how soon that's going to be, honestly. I think there's just, there's so many possible avenues the Canadians can go is the big thing for me that I I just like if I if I were in Ken Hughes's position I truly wouldn't know what to do because I think he he is a useful player with promise like he's got skill and that's the that's the that's the rub is that you know it just it feels to me that when you look at who the Canadians have up and coming and who the Canadians have as part of their core right now that's going to you know continue on to the future. He just seems to be an odd man out. And that's unfortunate because I like him a lot as a player. And yeah, and that's the thing is it's he's he's someone that fans have been crying out for in this today. Hey, we need someone who can shoot and can play with that agility. And I think Martin St. Louis can get the best out of him in that we haven't seen the best of what Jesse Olinen has to offer. We know he's a very good shooter. We know he's a very good playmaker. He offers something different from Raphael Harvey Pinard in that Harvey Pinard can be molded to fit any kind of situation and be, you know, master of, uh, hold on, what's the phrase? Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Yeah. Jesse Olenin fits that. He is a shooter. He is a dangerous shooter. When the rocket power play is clicking, he slides into that left circle there. They feed him the puck and he just puts shots by the goalies. I will happily, you know, go and retweet a whole thread of, you know, Yolanin gifts that I made over the years in the AHL. It's just his role occupied. Okay, Cole Caulfield. We know Cole Caulfield is not going anywhere. We are okay with that. But a role that he, a spot that he could be in is you have Mike Hoffman there and you have Yol Armia there and then you have other bodies that need to get in line. You have Josh Anderson who's going to be healthy again. You need to get Yuri Slavkovsky ice time. Where do you put Sean Monahan? What do you do with all of these other young guys? It's so hard to find the space. And I don't envy Ken Hughes in this because you don't want to stick Yolanda on a fourth line role where, hey, go out, 
check a little bit, maybe score a couple of goals. His skill is wasted in that role there. And there's something to be said for having a skilled fourth line. And I think Michael Pozzetta fits into that a little bit. Not super skilled, but it makes sense. I'd like to see Yolanin get a middle six shot there in a role that is going to go to a Mike Hoffman, a Yol Armia. And I think if he's put in that opportunity, playing with someone like Kirby Doc, who's really good with the puck, Sean Monahan, who's defensively responsible, can unlock a little bit more of that. He's played with Jake Evans before. Even if Evans is your third-line center and you have Monahan playing on the other wing, there's a lot of damage you can do with that. It's just, it's this weird Ouroboros catch-22 situation is that you need to find space to get him into the lineup. But if you can't find the space, you might have to move him to create the space and then what do you fill in that gap there? Oh, we got rid of Mike Hoffman and Christian Dvorak. Okay, well, where can we put Jesse Olinen in the lineup? No, we traded him to get rid of Christian Dvorak's contract. This is why I'm not an NHL GM. This is why I'm a guy behind a microphone on a podcast. And I, I, I trust that Kent Hughes has something in place here. I think that he's going to make something happen here. I have no reason to doubt that that is a thing that will happen. I'm just, I'm kind of getting anxious to know what it is at this point because I really want to see some of these guys who have actually developed well with the Rocket get their chance at the next level. Rafael Harvey Pinard has gotten that chance. Jake Evans has gotten that chance. We're going to see that potentially with someone like Justin Barron, maybe Caden Primo in the future here. I want to see that opportunity go forward because that's an important part of rebuilding is because Syracuse and uh, Tampa Bay did this very well. They played well there, maybe a little overseasoned, so to speak, but then they get to the NHL and they fit that system. That's what I want to see out of some of these guys. And I'm going to be sad to see them go because, quite frankly, they've worked really well across the board there. So um, maybe it's just me being a little bit overdramatic. And maybe he'll he'll slide through waivers and none of this will matter. Maybe he'll be signed on Monday and Mike Hoffman will get traded for a third-round pick or something. I don't know. But it's a very weird situation. There's a balance to everything. And Ken Hughes, so far, has, I think, done a pretty good job at finding that balance. Now he's got a couple more juggling acts to do before the season starts. And I think it is time for our favorite segment. Or it used to be our favorite episode, but now it's just a segment today. Just because there was so much stuff to talk about. But I'm sure we'll have some left over for tomorrow's episode. Um, and that is, we are going to be going into a batch of our Friday mailbag questions. And that's all coming up in just one moment. All right, Scott, we're going to do something. We're going to turn things around. And instead of starting with the Twitter questions today, we're going to start with the YouTube questions. All right. And uh, let me just pull them up because I tried to be smart and not put them on my phone. Uh, <laughs> but Do you want me to look them up reason, on my phone since you were the one hosting today? Since you sent uh, them to me? Sure. Uh, I, I do remember sending. Oh, I found them. I found them. I found them. We are your most professional Montreal Canadiens podcast, everybody. <laughs> the first question comes from Dan on YouTube. Question for the mailbag. Do you see Brendan Gallagher on the roster when the Habs are ready to compete? Let's assume that that's three years from now. Or do you imagine he'll be bought out by or bought out or traded by then? So <laughs> this is the hardest one because I know we talk about moving Armia and Hoffman and what to do with Josh Anderson is that 
what do you do with Brendan Gallagher? Because when Brendan Gallagher is actually healthy, he's very good at what he does still and generating high danger chances, being around the net, creating opportunities and space for his teammates. The converse, the, the flip side of that is Brendan Gallagher is not healthy enough consistently to do that. And it's like last year, he came out, he looked great. And then his hip blew up when he like ran into the end boards. And I think it was a game against the Oilers or the Flames or something. And his season was never quite right after that. In three years, I wouldn't be shocked if he isn't on this team anymore. Just because the cap going up so much, if Gallagher can stay healthy and, and if is the big word here, so often it is, if Brendan Gallagher stays healthy, the Montreal Canadiens have a guy who can pitch in 15 to 20 goals is a veteran leader on this team here. And maybe he gets pushed out once the Joshua Waz and the Philip Mashars and the Owen Beck start coming into the NHL organization here in the professional ranks sooner rather than later. And there are teams that will happily add a guy like Brendan Gallagher teams are like, we need one more piece to get over that hump. A team like the Edmonton Oilers, a team like, the Vancouver Canucks who are perpetually thinking they are so close to getting over that hump, a team like LA that, you know, with Mark Bergevin there, they went out and got Philip Deneau. Do you reunite Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher in LA? Because it wouldn't be the worst move in the world. Teams with cap space will love a guy like Brendan Gallagher. Even if he's down from being that 30 goal guy, which he is not anymore. and is a 15 to 20 goal guy but gives you all this shot generation, annoys other teams, has been through the playoffs, been to a Stanley Cup final, all of that. Teams pay for that kind of thing. And I think the Canadians aren't going to be willing to part with him like easily, but I think it is a thing that they will just end up doing anyways because frees up $6.5 million in cap space. And he might just not have that same spot in the lineup. Do you want to pay $6.5 million for a guy who might be playing on your fourth line at that point, probably not. But on another team looking to get over that hump, I think Brendan Gallagher has a ton of value for them. That's the thing. It's like, it really, I, I thought I was on mute. It really depends on his durability though. Like if he's constantly on the IR for the, for the next season or so, like another team is not going to snap him up. And I think that's the biggest issue. Um, is his longevity because I, I'm straight up going to say that I don't see him still being on the team when the Canadians are ready to contend. There's going to be a different version of Brendan Gallagher on there, whether it's Raphael Harvey Pinard or somebody completely different. We don't know, but I do think that teams do like the idea of Brendan Gallagher. There's, there's still old school hockey men out there that will love the idea like I mean if you look at like Mila Mucic and how beat up his body was and he keeps still getting contracts so um I think I think that's a you know that's an indicator as to whether or not Brendan Gallagher is going to have value is that like the way that he plays is the kind of thing that certain GMs admire and I personally think that you know his he's just he's just too injured you know his body's just like been through too much for him to continue to really be an attractive trade piece. But again, I'm not saying this like in any derogatory way, like he gave his all to the Montreal Canadiens. And that's exactly, I think it, he gave his all to the Montreal Canadiens. Does he have anything left to give to another team? So that's where I stand on that. Um, let's go back to our uh, YouTube questions. Habs fan forever asks, 
it, do you do you think that if Hughes can't trade Hoffman, he'll just put him on waivers? He's not the type of player you want on a team that puts so much emphasis on culture and hard work. Plus, he's taking the place of a young player. I mean, I can see it uh, just to see. They did it with Rene Bork when Mark Bergevin was here originally, too. And eventually, once he was in the AHL, they were able to move that because he's like, oh, he can start there and uh, retain some of that salary, and he'll be in the AHL. You don't have to immediately put him on the NHL roster. But it's funny that they mentioned culture is that if you want a player that you think is going to be worrying in the NHL dressing room because he's not a fit or is going to be kind of toxic to that, do you really want to take that and add it to your AHL locker room where there are a lot of younger guys who are looking up to veterans for guidance and advice and everything and having someone who's going to be potentially moping around the locker room, bringing that mood down a little bit. It's a tough spot. I think, and we've talked about this a lot is that I think Mike Hoffman is, was put in a no win situation here. Yes. He hasn't played nearly as well as he could have. I think he tried a lot more last year, like defensively there were better efforts, but it's when everything goes wrong, you know it because he looks completely out of place. A functioning power play changes how we view Mike Hoffman on this team. And because it's not, and because this team was just abhorrently cursed for two seasons here, he doesn't fit. I really do think this is going to be, the Habs are going to take their second retention spot. They're going to look at this and go, we're going to trade Mike Hoffman at 30% retained, 40% retained, whatever, and we'll take whatever we can get back. And I also think they might just hold on to him because he's only got one year left and they'll trade him at the deadline when the value might be a little bit higher. But I don't see them putting him on waivers. He's not high on my list. I think you're going to see some people that would make you potentially more upset going on waivers first uh, than Mike Hoffman. And who knows? Maybe he comes out in the preseason and he's great. Who knows? Um, But I don't see Hughes putting him on waivers, at least unless not unless everything has gone terribly, terribly wrong this year. And we hope that things don't go terribly, terribly wrong this year because the last couple of years, honestly, <laughs> we're a lot to live through. We've got a question from Tyler L. on YouTube. If Uri Slavkovsky comes out this season and has a 35 to 45 point season, are we still worried about him? Or is that good progression for a 19-year-old getting used to the NHL? Also, if Slavkovsky hits his high ceiling, which I believe he will, are we worried that Montreal gets an expensive free agent and isn't able to extend Slavkovsky? Sorry, I guess this was three questions. Uh, so I guess the first question is, if he does score 35 to 45 points, are we still worried about him? No. I think that's a really nice progression forward for him next season, to be honest. And my, my hope for him is that he can tally around 15 goals next season. And I think that's a safe bet. 35 to 40 points is a good step forward. The biggest thing is looking more comfortable around and being adjusted more to the speed of the game here. Because as we saw last year, he sometimes got caught unaware with his head down, not reading the space well, not reading the timing on things well. And it got him injured a couple of times in there. And the biggest thing with that is, and people need to understand this, if he goes to the AHL, to play top line minutes, it might be preferable than him playing, you know, 11 to 10 minutes in the bottom six on some nights. And I think they will tell him like, we're not, this isn't a punishment. This is us wanting to get you ice time, get your speed and your timing down. 
and develop that confidence. And he may do what Cole Caulfield did is go down for two to three weeks, light up the score sheet and then be like, I'm good to go. Come back like a house of fire. And I'm not worried about him having an expensive last contract. Uh, I think it was Habs links on Twitter who pointed out after this season, there's a lot of contracts coming off the books that are going to free up a lot of cap space for the Canadians with the cap also rising. So if he comes in and he lights it up, let's say out of nowhere, he becomes a 55, 60 point player, 25 to 30 goals. You lock him up long-term and maybe go, okay, well, we haven't seen it all the time. And you get a value on that contract. I'm not worried about him being let go to replace a veteran. No, the question was like, if Montreal gets an expensive free agent, they're not going to be able to extend Slavkovsky because Slavkovsky will have hit his ceiling. I, and I don't think that's the case either. I think that they will keep Slavkovsky around because Ken Hughes has shown that, like, yeah, they've checked in on free agents and other things, but I don't this think they're going to overpay for a free agent, right? Yeah, exactly. That is that they may add a veteran free agent. Like they looked at Ryan O'Reilly, they've brought back Sean Monahan. They will look at free agents in there. I have no doubt of that because they will try and find people to supplement this team in some ways if they can. Because at some point, we're going to find out whether these prospects make it or not. And I've completely failed to mention Alex Newhook in here entirely. And if you're the Canadians and you look at this and you go, we built this team with guys on younger contracts or cheaper contracts that are younger without having to go spend in free agency. We have all this cap space now. When you do finally need to add that last piece, so to speak, you have so much room to play around with. They're setting up to be able to function independently of needing the free agent market because free agent markets are where GMs go to set money on fire and drafting and developing is where smart GMs and teams find that. And yeah, you got to pay some of these guys eventually, which we know the defense especially will be one of those things. But if you've built without having to do that with free agents, that includes Slavkovsky, that includes everybody else. It's easier to extend the pieces you have there and keep that window open longer for a lot of these players. So we've got time for one more YouTube question. So if you asked your question on Twitter, we will get to it in a segment on tomorrow's episode. Um, and this question comes from, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. It's, it looks like par JF on YouTube. Mailback question. After nearly 1,000 shows, what is, it, what is it that you like most about doing this podcast with your co-host? The thing is, after almost 1,000 episodes, we are after this 112 away from... 1000 which is a wild thing to think about it is very easy to come in get set up and even if we both had crappy days outside of there to put together a very fun show to work with one of your good friends and do something like this and it's been such an incredible experience we've seen the highest of highs for the montreal canadians and literally the bottom of the barrel in the four years that we've been doing this and it is very fun to know that, hey, going to go home, even if this game was terrible, which there will be several more, is that one of us will get on here and will just unleash God knows what while the other one sits in the corner and laughs and has a good time with it. It is it's a very comforting thing to know that you always have something to look forward to at the end of the day and doing a show with one of your best friends. I will say, I'll echo that. I will also add that my favorite thing is that um, how much I can trust Scott. I think um, 
he's always looking out for everyone around him. It's not just me. I am one of his friends and his like podcasting co-host. He's always looking out, out for people around him. He's always worried about, you know, their well-being um, and all of that. And I just know that if there's anything going on that I know that Scott, well, you know, sometimes I'm having bad days. Like I've had a lot of upheaval in my life in the last year. Um, and Scott will just carry the show sometimes, whether I'm here or not. Like sometimes I'll be here and I won't be able to like really put out good content. And Scott will just carry that. And um, I've been very lucky in that most of our listeners have have been supportive of that. Uh, but I think that that to me is my favorite thing is that I know that at the end of a really bad day, um, if I come and I and I can't do a good enough job, like Scott will make it so that it's barely noticeable. So it is, you know, everything he said too. like, it's fun. Like, and, and that's, that's one of the biggest things is that if this wasn't fun to do, we would stop doing it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and I, I'm sure there's plenty of people in the, in the Montreal uh, fandom that would love to do this podcast after we're long gone, but it's still fun. So we still coming, come back to it every single day. Um, and I also appreciate the listeners, but I mean, the question was about the co-host. Uh, and, and, and honestly, I hope we have many, many more episodes for you. I hope we at least get to 1000 <laughs> and we're yeah. still friends at a thousand. It's going to be soon. It's going to be, I think I, I calculated that it's going to be in like October or November that we get there. Um, either way, uh, thank you so much to all the listeners. Do not forget that we do have a regular mailbag this week, but next week we're having a prospect Palooza. So please send your prospect mailbag questions as well as your regular mailbag questions. You can send them to us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can tweet them at LO underscore Canadians. We're working on getting a thread set up as well. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailback question or prospect mailback question at the beginning of your comments so that we know you want us to talk about it uh, on an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And do not forget, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. We will be back tomorrow. We are about down to three days a week, but you're getting a bonus episode this week. So make sure you tune into that. We will see you all next time.